0: Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. I'm really appreciative of you guys asking me to be here for this. And I, I really, truly believe that God has something to say. And I, and I truly believe through the vantage point of the vessel me that has uh, two huge vantage points, one from a doctor and then one from a pastor. And so that's what I want you guys to get today. There's going to be a lot of practicality today. I also want to say thanks, you guys, for for tuning in like, We're doing things differently, and that's okay. In fact, actually what the devil meant for for evil is turning out for good. There are more people watching right now uh, and going to get this message than there could ever have been before. I know there's family in Zimbabwe. Just about every state in the United States, there's people watching. We have over, uh, I think it's 400 offices or whatever it is. Uh, There's tens and hundreds of thousands of people that go through um, care through all of our offices throughout the United States and four other countries. And I know that they're all watching. And so this, this is a this is a big moment. And I truly believe that God is going to download something to every single person. But the name of the message is Contagious. And it has never been more important to talk about one thing right now. And that is what is contagious. And I believe that we're called to be contagious. And I think everybody right now, you cannot go into a conversation when it's not about the contagiousness of this virus or the corona this or the corona that. My kids named something the coronacation uh, because it's, they're on like a vacation, but it's because of the <laughs> I don't know. So I thought it was pretty funny. But the point is, um, there's just a lot of stuff going on. Right now, the most contagious thing on the face of this entire planet Earth is fear. Can I get an amen from somebody? I know you guys are amen from home too. So, um, it's fear. In fact, actually, a virus did not cause an economic drawback in our country. Fear did. Uh, a virus didn't cause a uh, a short term collapse of our s- stock uh, market. That was fear. You know, I mean, literally, fear has masked and gloved humanity basically separated us and has about everybody holding their breath today, is there gonna be a massive lockdown quarantine, which is creating more fear too. So let me be clear, the number one enemy here and that we're gonna talk about today, get victory on and walk this thing out, sometimes for some of you guys that may be in fear and and that's a human emotion, so walk and that's okay, no judgment, is that hour by hour, day by day, week by week through this thing, that you guys know how to live and that we all can live at least more, not perfectly because we're not there yet, we're not to Jesus yet. But more perfectly walking this thing out in faith, love, and hope, not in fear. Can I get an amen for that? Does that sound good? Let me just start with this though. So I um speaking of fear, I um was <laughs> recollecting this, this mortal fear time in my life. I was in high school, I was this big football player in high school, and I'd never been to a haunted house. So it was, you know, October, and they my all my big football buddies took me to this um this haunted house. was in Oklahoma City, downtown Oklahoma City, and this thing was several stories high. We were walking. It took over an hour to go through this thing. Now, first of all, yeah, I'm I'm big and strong, and I don't have to worry about it. Listen to me. I was so in mortal fear the whole time. I mean, this was like seriously scary stuff that I think my hair follicles hurt from standing up for so long that, I mean, I I was in this unconscious, ever-increasing level of fear, not even knowing it, that, you know, long story short, we got to the last room, which I didn't know it was the last room. I just knew it was another room, and here comes something again. So I'm just like, can you can you imagine what the feelings like? I like I am on pins and needles. About and then so all these big guys are around us, and then lo and behold, the loudest, scariest, most startling thing happened: that these uh, werewolves jump out, and specifically several of them. One, the biggest one, right towards me, and they're not supposed to touch you. And the guy you know, he was so aggressive and in character that he touches my shoulder, and I'm praying for a werewolf guy somewhere today. Uh, this was pre-Jesus, by the way, but it was so reflexive, it was so reactive, that before I knew it was happening, I literally, as if I'm watching it third person on a movie screen, all I knew is a scary figure touched me, and it just went, Boom. And I literally, through the superhero powers of adrenaline, completely laid this guy out just solid. Bam like this. And if that wasn't bad enough, the motions kept going. Like I was already stepping over him, completely collapsed and headed beeline to a door of which led to the street, which I didn't know, busted out of that. And when I knew I was outside, kept going until I got to my vehicle. I'm ashamed to say I did not see if that guy was okay. But here's the thing: my point in that story is that listen, sometimes fear will make us do things that we normally would not do. Okay? Uh, in fact, actually, fear, from a doctor's standpoint, fear really for me is like a it's like an infectious disease. So, for instance, the first person, or you want to call them a victim or whatever, the first person that is infected gets this deep-seated thing starting to develop inside of them. And then somebody in the close vicinity, uh, vicinity of them is now infected as well. And as a result of the now the second person, because somehow it will make logical sense that they should be, I guess, scared of this thing. But now because two people are scared, now it's easier for the third person because they're looking, it's not just one person, it's two. Maybe that makes more rational sense since there's two people, not one. And all of a sudden the third person is more easily drawn into that fear. And as soon as you have a group of people that are controlled by fear, here? that's basically the definition of panic right and so that's actually back to the story so I, literally when I when I hit that guy and ran out the door all of my big football buddies saw me freak out and punch somebody and they're in this heightened sense as well they were like oh something is real and like they panicked as well and so all of these big guys ran out the front door just like that and so that we moved as a group does that make sense in fact watch this There was a day about a week or a week and a half ago where one person in the entire United States started getting into fear and thought, I'm not really sure there might be enough toilet paper. Hmm. And actually they legitimized their fear in themselves, and so they went and just stockpiled, and they happened to come in with the vicinity of somebody else, and that kind of logically made sense to another person. And literally within minutes and hours across an entire United States, The United States was virtually free of toilet paper on the shelves. I mean, you couldn't even find it at grocery stores or gas stations or anywhere. Why did that happen? It's because it literally infected everybody. And you don't even have to be in the same room. Like viruses or coronavirus or whatever, uh, literally, I mean, you have to be in proximity where they were, where they are, whatever else. You don't even have to be in the room with somebody that's got fear. You can get it on social media. You can get it from regular media. And it literally just blazed through. Now, think about this for a second. The first person's fear was what? I won't have enough toilet paper. And if you walk this whole thing out and then create this panic, drive the whole hoarding. Guess what ended up happening? There was not enough toilet paper, right? And so the very thing they feared the most really did come upon them. Yes or no? Right? And not to get like too New Agey, but there's like a Chinese proverb that says, "You often come in. You also often come in contact with the thing you fear the most on the path you take to avoid it." Right? You know, uh, Proverbs twenty-three-seven says what? says, as a man thinketh, so is he. Great example of that is um, in Numbers 13, and I won't read the whole thing, but I'm going to paraphrase, so bear with me. So the Israelites are been told, hey, there's the promised land. Send some spies out in there and go check it out, right? So you got Caleb and Joshua. These guys are like, yes, they're living on all the promises God has said. They're living on all the miracles that he's just come through. He just actually made water come out of a rock that actually gave enough water for over a million people. Can I get an amen from somebody that has had God come through for them once or twice in their life that was supernatural? And so they go into the land, they come out of the land, and they've seen some big people in the land, but the the land is so flowing with milk and honey that they literally had to have one thing of grapes, had to have a pole between two people because one person couldn't carry it, and they get back and they're like, just so you know, the land is good. It is awesome. I would like to paraphrase, dude, this place is legit right? And they get back. But now watch this. Think about this. They saw big guys in the land and they're coming back. And I just, in my mind, I'm, this is not, this is like Davidism, but if they're walking back and you got the 10 guys who are scared because they see, they're like, well, you know, I know how much I can lift. I know how much of big of a sword that I, did you see the size? So they start talking to each other. Did you see the size of the sword? That's a pretty big sword. Yeah. Did you see how, how big they were? I bet they're pretty strong. And as they continued to talk about how big they were, how many of them they were, they just started to develop this, this, um, like a slow drip of poison uh, from an IV of fear into them. So by the time that they got back to the Israelite camp, those guys were in a full-blown panic of fear because all they can think of is what they're thinking in their mind. What do they think in their mind? Fear is basically you meditating on what's about to happen that may be negative. It's just, you can see a picture that's bad. They're going to kill us. They're going to eat us. Whatever. So they get back. Caleb stands up and goes, man, this place is great. It's going to be great. God is more than able, blah, blah, blah. And then these guys stand up and go, yeah, it's great. Huge giants. They they eat the inhabitants of their land. They're totally going to absolutely just destroy us. And literally because there's eight, or I'm sorry, ten verses two, they literally, what are they doing? They're infecting. And literally an entire nation, after all that God has just done, goes, hey, listen, you know what? Why did you lead us out here to die of famine or the sword when God has already shown himself great and faithful? And I'm telling it to you, God has already shown you great and faithful ways that he's already maintained your life and we're getting into fear. And honestly, this was before Jesus covered all your sins and mine. He literally looked at the situation and goes, these guys are not going to get it. I'm just going to kill them all right now. (laughs) You ever feel like that with your kids? But he said, I'm going to kill them right now. Moses says, "Hey, hey hey, just so, just so nobody looks at you and says that God couldn't do something and bring these people out of the wilderness and the probably, don't kill them." So God says, I won't kill them. I'm going to kill all of them, but all of them over the age of 20, sure enough. But then guess what? These people that are cowardice because of their fear then go, well, we don't want to die, so you know hey, uh, we'll, we'll go do it now. but now what is in them? What's the slow drip put in their bloodstream now? In their mind, they've already seen themselves lose. Because they've seen themselves lose, they don't have anything to replace it, or they're not replacing it. They say, "Oh, we're going to go ahead and take the mountain now." And then guess guess how that works out? They get slaughtered. So the very thing that they didn't want to happen, the thing that they were afraid of, happened. Just like the toilet paper, etc., etc., etc. And can I be clear? I, I don't want to get too far off of this thing, and I could definitely because I I personally just have zero fear of this virus, I don't. In fact, our own surgeon general for the United States says the vast majority of all Americans have nothing to fear at all. This thing is just not a big deal. That's literally what he said, right? So I I don't have any fear about it. And the problem with it is there are a lot of people that have a lot of fear and there's a lot of people who, yes, are more immunocompromised, they're older, so the, the stats are more, but even if you look at the data, the stats, they do not support the hysteria that we're currently seeing. Now, I am not saying that we don't uh, do what the government, the city ordinances, state, and federal guidelines say to do right now. I'm saying, yes, let's do that. In fact, let's pray for them. In fact, let's pray for our, um, our uh, president and his cat. Like, these people are working non-stop and overtime, and just so I can just stop in the middle of this thing, can we just praise God that we have a president that's done more for Christian rights in the nation that is the greatest nation in the world than any other president of all time. Uh, So there's just, there's some good things happening, but listen to this. So fear, fear is the real destructor. In fact, statistically, fear has more of an opportunity, more of a statistical probability of causing harm and destruction and death to you than any virus does. So today, the rest of today, we need to figure out how do we uh, solidify ourselves so that we don't exist in that. Does that make sense? In fact, watch this. As a doctor, watch this. I could physiologically walk out how it is that continual constant fear in you will draw down and destroy your own immune system, which would actually make you more prevalent to actually getting a virus of any kind, including the coronavirus, and having something bad happen, which means to say... The thing that you're fearing, just like toilet paper, just like uh, spies in the Israelite nation when they actually went to the promised land, those things actually are more probable when you're actually being scared of it. In fact, I'll go even farther. The people that everybody says should be the most scared, the oldest and the most immunocompromised, if they align themselves with that fear emotionally, physically, spiritually, what has that just said? If they do that, they align themselves with that, they have just literally walked closer to the very thing that they don't want to have happen. Now, I'm not saying it's all a mind game. There is realities here, so let's take precautions. But I think that the next thing we have to do is we have to talk seriously about what is the solution to walking this thing out. And I, I, I want to affirm, my whole purpose of showing up today is to affirm, to, to literally encourage you guys, uh, to edify, if you will. And how do we do that? So here's the, here's the cool part. I'm, I'm going to take this from two vantage points. I'm going to take this as far as solutions from the doctor's standpoint and health, and I'm going to take it from the pastoral uh, vantage point and actually give you guys some roadmaps for that too. And if you're at home, I hope that you're eating breakfast or drinking a cup of tea or coffee, but I want you to write some stuff down. I believe God downloaded this in my spirit. This is going to be better than any medication you've ever had for anything so that it solidifies you and protects you from the virus of fear that will be coming, sweeping like a tsunami wave to hit your house, or your house physically so that it won't happen to you. You guys ready? So let's just start with the doctor portion. Can we do that? So so the do- what do we do as far as solutions, as far as keeping yourself healthy, maintaining a, a good state of health, so you protect yourself from this thing? Uh, and again, chiropractic, very holistic, so you're going to hear it from me. So there's, I'm just going to throw them out, so take some notes and I'll repeat them again, but it's very simple. Eat right, go move, get adjusted, and wash your hands. Pretty simple. Eat right, get moving, get adjusted, wash your hands. I love the, the post, uh, Pastor Tracy, that you posted, I don't know, sometime this week. And it was like, I could see the, the spiritual frustration of the fear that people are showing. And it was like, can we just wash our hands and get on with it? I love that. In fact, actually, I was thinking about changing the name to that. But it, but the point is, it really is very simple. So let's go through it. So eat right. Just during this time, everybody's listening. Listen, If you're you're stuck in your house or you're there more often, we have a tendency to stress eat, right? And what are the comfort foods? The ones that shouldn't be, right? So they're, they're fried, they're full of sugar, they're bready breads, they're all carby carbs, empty, they decrease your immunity. And so basically what you're doing is you're actually walking into that nutritionally. So guess what you should do? Start sticking more towards live foods. Live food equals life, dead food equals Death. So we want to just really get some more live foods. Take the right supplements, drink some more water, etc., right? How about moving? When you move, you physiologically change how your body is acting, including your um, immunity, right? So again, I get it. Gyms are closed. Ours is too. So guess what you got to do? Figure it out at home and you can figure it out. We've been doing workouts all week long. Instead of recess, my kids have been doing um, workouts uh, that we've been getting from our, our CrossFit gym, which has been awesome, and then Max D3 that we've been doing. So literally, uh, just do stuff at home. You can do non weight push-ups, mountain climbers, wall sits, all this stuff. But guess what? Even if you didn't do that because you're just stressed out and you can't figure out how to put it all together or organize yourself, just walk outside and go walk for 30 minutes. Do you know if you just walk for 30 minutes, you decrease breast cancer rates 63%, colon cancer 42%, diabetes and obesity 85%. I can go on and on and on. All you gotta do is walk. In fact, there's a lot of good things happening when you go outside. I walked uh, with my dogs the other day, and guess what? I literally saw, I met neighbors I've never met. I saw children running and frolicking and laughing and riding their bikes and people doing fun stuff. And I I looked at my neighbor and was like, this is where I always wanted to live. This is awesome. And it took a virus to get there, right? So just get outside. Next is the chiropractic component. Now, let's just, can you hear me out for a second? I say chiropractic, you guys, if you're not going to see a chiropractor, it's just general public, you hear neck pain, back pain, headaches, or a car accident. It's not what chiropractic is. It's not what it was ever meant to be. Chiropractic started because a man adjusted somebody and they got their hearing back. And he immediately went to his pastor and his pastor said, that's God on the inside that you're helping remove the interference to. And he goes, great. So he called it chiropractic. And so, again, I won't go too far into that, but if I give you some some background on this, why is it, so right now our office is seeing a lot of people working really hard, it's because the, the word has gone out, just like Pastor Trace said, she hasn't been sick in a year, I have people that haven't been sick in years and years, and it's not about just not showing symptoms, but it's literally about getting somebody healthy again. So chiropractic is not about symptoms, it's about removing interference to how God designs your body so that it functions exactly the way it should be. And just so we're clear, what is functioning exactly the way it should be? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. If you knew all the amazing tricks and gadgets and amazing super cool superhero feats that your body does every second, it would scare the dickens out of you because you'd think surely this thing can't go on its own because God has animated and his power is in you. In fact, how how powerful is that with viruses? You actually probably fought off a hundred thousand viruses before you actually started watching this this morning and you're not even tired right? So leaning into that, what is chiropractic about? It's about removing interference. Now, it also means getting adjusted, not because something hurts or you have symptoms or decreased range of motion, but someone evaluated your spine to see how it's aligned the way God designed it, removing that misalignment and allowing things to function and heal the way it should. Does it support immune system? Absolutely. But digestive, hormonally, how your outlook is, the amount of hope you have, everything. Does that make sense? In fact, actually, if you go back, this is very interesting. I've been uh, teaching my patients about this all week long, last two weeks, every state has state official health records. Is that true or false? True, right? If you go back, every state that I know of has a record of what happened in the 1918 Spanish flu epidemic. You guys remember this? Kind of people are talking about, it's why everybody's also epidemiologically freaking out. Uh, Over a hundred million people died. That was a real pandemic. If this virus was a person, I would put it down so bad it would embarrass them. But my point is, that was real. What happened was this was a fledgling uh, profession of chiropractic. There were some people getting adjusted, but not a lot. And this this Spanish flu of 1918 just threw through communities, and whole households would die. Like like when I say a hundred million people died, that's a lot of people. And there wasn't that as many people on the earth in 1918 as there is now. And so just whole, I mean, just groups of people would just completely be dead. There was dead people everywhere. But what they saw was, if your household was going to get adjusted, huh? I mean you didn't even really get the flu most of the time. And then if you were friends of them and they told you to go see the chiropractor, if you did contract it, if you went, then you actually got over it, you didn't even die. And you can actually see that in the documents, state documents of the historical record of the 1918 Spanish flu epidemic, that if you went to see a chiropractor, they could almost do no wrong. And, and literally, people going other places were dying in one out of 15. It was really bad. And so you actually had a, a fledgling profession where chiropractors were seeing one or two people a day or a week. And then by the end of it, because they knew how instrumental and critical it was that people's bodies, which is the only solution to viruses, I mean, 200 years of medicine, they haven't been able to figure out how to treat a common cold. And this is basically a cold virus. And so. They said, listen, we've got to do something. So these 1918 chiropractors were seeing people, sometimes a 1,000 people a day working 20, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because people would roll up with their children their family and go, hey, listen, I know you're tired, but my kids and I have not been adjusted, and we, we, in our community we've seen what's happened. If you're not adjusted, can you please stay a little bit later? Can you come to our house? Can you, can you get us adjusted? And so do you actually know without the 1918 flu epidemic, I don't even know if the chiropractic would still be alive. I don't know if it would be around. Isn't that amazing? Right? So guess what i tell you to do? One of the steps as far as a doctor, go get your family adjusted. Not because there's a problem, just so there's not a problem. Got it? What does that look like? first question everybody asks me is, um, well, who do I go see? Well, first of all you want to really concentrate on a chiropractor that's not just all about the symptoms you know you could walk into an office and go well you don't have back pain i'm not sure i could help you like you want to go to somebody who's evaluating your spine your body your nervous system to see if there's a problem that can be aligned makes sense we call that problem subluxation but someone that's, that's evaluating you for that correcting that and then maintaining that makes sense uh just to, to throw it out there just to help you guys so some of you guys don't live in dallas a lot of you guys thousands of you guys don't live anywhere near here uh, so you're nowhere near our office or some of the, the Max Living offices here. Just go to maxliving.com and then click find a doctor near you. And literally, if there's one there, it will come up. Go in, tell them you saw this here. Tell them that you saw Dr. David speak. They'll take very good care of you. Got it? So um, that's the first thing. Do that. Now, what's the last thing? Wash your hands. Should I really have to say that? If we go to the bathroom right now, should my hands be wet when I walk out? I mean, come on. So so yes, but can I just say this too? And I mean no judgment, so please don't take offense to this. But when I look out and I see so many people who can't even touch the cart of a grocery store without wearing gloves, and by the way, if you're going to wear gloves, know how to use them. So when you take them off, take them off in a sterile manner. I mean, I see people take gloves off like this. I'm like, everything that you just touched is now on your hand, really? right? So it's like, uh, so the point is, it's for me, there's a spirit of fear. And what's happening is there's a lot of people, a lot of Christians, even uh, quoting and like just declaring, hey, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, of love, and a sound mind. And it's interesting, the ones that are quoting it the most seems to be the ones that are most scared. And so how do we get this thing down? Well, wash your hands. But the solution to this problem is not taking the earth on a string and dipping it in bleach. Okay, it's not a solution. The solution to this or the main solution, I will say, alongside of some of the other things we're doing and cleaning and washing things and wiping things down is to, for every single person to be as healthy as they possibly can be. Can I get an amen to that? Right. So that's it. So so let me do this. I'm going to back away from that. Let me just go from a different vantage point. Let me go from the pastoral stance. Just a second. OK, so I just I want to hit that because I can tell you, for me, uh, this is this is where I have been living lately. And I'm not going to say I don't have some fear, but I don't have a fear of virus right? I have a fear for my patients. You know, I've seen people, you know, we see tens of thousands of patients over the last 20 plus years. And I have seen some people that I never thought would get into fear over, you know, germs and germophobic living and things like this, who started to get into fear. And as uh, a pastor, I know being a chiropractor over an office, you're not their pastor, but blaming it on the pastoral job, I look at everybody like they're, like they're people that I'm pastoring. And I just see like my kids, no matter what age they are, scared. And at, that, excuse my French in the church, but that pisses me off. I do not like people in fear. Like if, if that was my children and my children were scared, I would want to come against anything and everything that caused my kids to get scared. I would slay it. I don't want my kids living in fear ever. Okay, so so what does this look like? So I, I I think what we need to do is we need to get habitual. So all those things I said about the things that you should do in the doctorly vantage point, it needs to start being a... a habitual type of actions. So this is just stuff that we do. I mean, what a great time. You said it, change, right? And right now, even though I don't think this virus is the, the killer that everybody's scared of, I, don't, I think some people die. I don't want to make light of that, and it's terrible if one person does. But what's happened here is we have moved across, and we now need some normal things to change our life into that will create habits and structures in our life that get us closer to God, more in faith, hope, and love, so that we're not in fear. And I will say this, this is not the end of us. In fact, I think the greatest days of this nation are ahead of us. I think financially, I think as far as a, a um, rebirth of our focus and our love with our God and Jesus Christ as our savior, I think the greatest days of this nation have not even yet come to pass. Okay, so there's the first one. But at the end of the day, um, This is not actually destroying us, it's actually revealing us. This is really revealing us. You see somebody walking around in a hazmat suit just to go get groceries, their metaphorical pants are down. Like I can see exactly how much fear you have, right? Uh, You know, when you have people that are like, oh no, I I can't, I I don't wanna get touched. Like, I can see right into that. There's a lot of fear there. And not in judgment of the person, but the things that they must have gone through in their life and what must be currently going on, I just want to come to the rescue on that, right? And here's the thing, I want to be contagious. I want to be contagious with an anchoring of hope and security, knowing that God loves them so much that he would never put them in a harm's way if they will just literally turn and start walking this thing out in faith. So what does that look like? So I gave you just a couple things for the doctor side. I'm going to give you just a, three things for the pastoral side. You ready? So if you're taking notes, here it is. Stay together, stay in prayer, and stay in the Word. Stay together, stay in prayer, and stay in the Word. It's very simple. Staying together, what does that mean? Well, don't forsake meeting together corporately. Well, what do we do now? I mean, I'm standing in a church, not breaking the city ordinance, by the way. There's not that many people here. But I'm standing in a church that should be full, and we're not. But guess what? We are together, aren't we? Technology has now done something that the devil, I don't think fully expected to have thousands if not tens of thousands of people watching this message and we are together. You're not alone, you're together. And guess what you also can do? You can actually get small groups together at your house, which is how the church started anyway. Can I get an amen for that? Like, so get together, start praying, get on the phone, get on FaceTime, get on Skype, get together. Don't forsake getting together. I also wanna put this a a little caveat here. Don't stop tithing to your local church. Uh, no matter where it is you go, it's, that's a, that's a whole spiritual, uh, message I could give you. It's actually, it's a spiritual law. If you would like to come out on top, make sure you keep sowing seed in, right. And just don't, don't stop. However, I want to say something, staying together, edifying one another. That's what it says, it says, so let's not forsake the gathering together so that more and more we edify one another as the day grows closer got it? That's what the Bible literally says. So we don't want to, we don't want to stop getting together. Also, the Bible also says, he who isolates himself seeks his own destruction. Boy, isn't that clear? Like if you get enough food and you hoard it and you get back in your little hole and you're the only window into your world is a digital world through your phone or computer or TV, and you're going to look through the filter of media or social media, you're going to sit and marinate and marinate and marinate in your fear. And just like I said, fear literally destroys your immune system. So you're walking right into it. So don't do that. Okay. So stay together. Next thing is stay in prayer. What does that mean? Me talking to my wife means that we have a relationship. Now we've had some pretty busy moments and I know she's watching right now. So I promise to come back and spend some time, (laughs) but we literally us talking is why we have a relationship. If I don't talk to my wife for a week, two weeks, three weeks, what kind of relationship do you think that is? It's not a relationship. Some of you guys can literally read your Bible, even journal, and go to church, do your thing, and you literally have not spent any time with the Lord. You read, you wrote down, but you spent no time. There's no relationship. You know, at the end, he said, you know, be far from me. I knew you not. W- what is that? Well, no, I read my Bible. I cast out demons in your name. No, you didn't know me. So let's, let's take this time to go, hey, let's, let's transition into relationship with our Father, the person who loves us, who saved us through a Savior. Uh, what does it look like? The Bible says, uh, pray without ceasing. You know, I adjust a lot of people in a day. It would surprise you how many people I actually adjust a day. And as I go person to person, I'm actually praying. Some of you guys don't know this. I pray almost nonstop while I'm adjusting. Now, I'm not saying thank you, Father Jesus, for this person's healing. And no, but I, I'm praying all the time. And sometimes he tells me a word for somebody. Somebody tells me it sounds weird, but he tells me where to adjust sometimes. Uh, sometimes it's I need to pray with this person. I've had people who came in who were uh, looking at getting an abortion and God told me and I sat down with them and they didn't have it. Which, by the way, isn't that crazy how many good things are happening because the virus? Uh, I heard I'm not sure how true this is, but Planned Parenthood uh, looks like it shut down for two weeks. So statistically, I'm kind of about numbers. Statistically, look how many abortions they give per week. And if they're down for two weeks and you count how many people are dying from this mild little virus, this virus might actually save more lives than it takes. Think about that for a second. I mean, just some crazy stuff. God's on the move. So but stay in prayer. Pray without ceasing. That is a huge thing. Have that relationship and make sure you cultivate a habitual way that you do that. And if it's a timer on your phone or whatever else, or this is the time of the day that you do it, I think it's funny that uh, Daniel had a certain time of the day that he always prayed and he wasn't going to change it because there was decree from the, the king to bow down to his image or whatever, right? So so, make, so get some habitual stuff going on. And then last but not least, stay in the word. Um, you know, Psalm 91, I love this. Psalm 91, I've heard this more this week than I've ever heard it in my 46 years of life. You know, Psalm 91. It says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And literally, it says um, that no plague shall come nigh thy dwelling in that as well. Right? You guys remember that? So people are quoting that nonstop. They say, this is the plague, and it's not coming to my dwelling, my dwelling, or my house, my dwelling, or my community, my dwelling, because that's what God says. And it is a promise. And I do think he does mean house on that, but can you just go back to that again? It literally says in his word, he who dwells Right? He who dwells. So, what are you talking about? The whole thing, whole Psalm 91 talks about where you're dwelling. And here's the problem D- dwelling means where you live. That's where you live. I could go find you. If you said you're at home, I, I have your address, been to your house. I know where you live. I'm going to go to your house. The problem with us, and again, I mean no offense, so please don't take offense to this and send me a bunch of emails. But the point is, I, in my opinion, the majority of Christians today, because we've had such an easy route for the last 50, 60 years, uh, to some degree, comparatively, have now gone to a point where we don't live in Him. We vacation there. We vacation on Sundays, right? We, you know, we vacation maybe if we have time on a Wednesday night. You know, sometimes I have time to read in between the Netflix at night and getting up early. Right? I, I'll go vacation in Him. Listen, that's not what this is talking. He said, dwell and live, live right there. So what does it mean? So what good does it do to dwell in him and being in his word? First of all, what is the word? He says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the word. And how do we get more Jesus? The word, this is the word right here. I believe this 100% and it's infallible. If it says it here, I'm gonna stand on it, period. And you should get there too. How do we get there? He's perf- he's, he's perfecting us all the time. But like, what does this look like day to day? What are the habitual things you should put in there? Well, it means that, like if you'll look at... Um, the Egyptians. We start looking at stories in the Bible, and we apply them to our lives. Like the Israelites, when they were in Egypt, they went through the Passover. That's coming up, right? Everybody knows Passover is coming up. So this plague, this spirit of death, literally was going to go across and kill all the, the firstborns, right? And so how did they keep that from happening? Well, they actually killed an innocent baby lamb, right? Had to cook it and eat some of it. No, they had to eat all of it. Every organ, all parts of this thing, which is Pretty crazy. So you have to consume every bit of it and then take that innocent baby blood and put it where? On your house, basically on your doorframe. It's a perfect metaphor for right now, okay? So what does that look like now? How do I get Jesus in me? Well, first of all, you got to accept him into you and then you have to continually help the Holy Spirit develop you through Jesus, the word inside of you that is usable and applicable to you. So, So first I got to get him in me. How do I do that? I consume it. How much of it? A little bit? Like a snack? Maybe an hors d'oeuvre? No, no, all of it. You eat this thing continually. Some of us want Netflix and comfort way more than we have a desire for the living, active, I mean, literally forever word of God right here. And that's right now, there's a lot of things being revealed. There's a lot of things being shaken. And it's kind of a, it's not just a kind of, it's a good thing. It's a great thing. There are more people going, man, I need to read my Bible. That's awesome. But what does that look like? So let's just open that up. Where do we go to? Here's a great place for you to start. Philippians four eight, Philippians four eight, great place to start. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, noble, uh, just, uh, pure, lovely, good uh, things of good report, virtuous, anything that's praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Everybody say meditate. Meditate on these things. What does meditate mean? Meditate doesn't mean to just go, um, just repeating something that you that you um, memorized. That's not meditation. Meditation is to like a, like a hard candy, suck it on your mouth, go around it and visualize, visualize, visualize. Meditation basically means visualization. Got it, does it make sense everybody? You guys listen at home, hear me out on this. The same part of your brain that you use to meditate is the exact same part of your brain that you use to worry because worry and meditation are exactly the same thing. Meditation just means that you're meditating uh, on whatever it is that you see coming. If you meditate on, oh, I'm going to die, oh, the economy's not coming back, I'm going to lose all my retirement, everybody's going to die around me, I'm not safe, I'm going to lose everything, you're literally meditating on negative, which is basically what fear is. However, you can take this, I can meditate on this right here, I am more than a conqueror, right? There is no, I am persuaded that neither height nor depth nor anything, past, future, no power, no principality, can separate me from the love of God. I can meditate on that, and I can actually start seeing what that looks like in my mind, in the marketplace, in my health. Does that make sense? But here's the thing. You can't worry and meditate on it. So you can't have a negative expectation and visualization and a positive one at the same time. The positive one is called hope. The negative one is called fear. Got it? It's very simple. Guess where God wants you? He wants you in hope. So what are the three things? Three things are stay together, stay in prayer, stay in the Word. You know, so I, um, my 17-year-old daughter, she's, she's watching us. So I have Zach, who's uh, 21, Zoe, who's 17, and then uh, my 10-year-old, Zanae. Uh, I just love all my kids. You know, when they're smaller, you just go and do stuff with them all the time. So Zoe, uh, she was like Zanae is now my little running buddy. We just run around town. Anywhere I was going, she was on my hip. And so it was Christmas Eve one day, and we actually went to the store. By the way, Christmas Eve at the store looked kind of like the store looks like now. It was crazy, okay? So we go in, and she's she's a little bitty. She's 17 now, but this is when she was a little bitty. She was old enough to go to the bathroom by herself, but she was pretty small, right? And I was kind of worried about going to the bathroom by herself anyway in a store, public place, but I was kind of letting her go. In fact, I think it may have been the first time. So we get to this store. It's just two of us. She goes in, and she's taking a little while. Well, when she comes out, she really wasn't focused for and looking for me straight away i I'm, I'm assuming because when she walked out she must have walked by me or something and by the time that she started looking for me i was nowhere near her to be found now great dad moment i lost my kid in a store and if you are a parent you know what that feels like i'm like you've ever lost your kid like everything start like you start to have meditations on stuff that you shouldn't ever meditate on and I started freaking out a little bit, but then immediately I started thinking about what, what is she thinking about? Because I love her. I don't want her to be scared. And the only resource that she has to find me is to keep going to look for, me. I mean, I'm her safety. I'm her, I'm the person that's gonna take care of her. So now she is looking for me everywhere in the store. She's looking for me in the hardware place. She's looking for me in the groceries. She's looking for me in the whatever. She's looking everywhere. And she's not finding me because I'm not there. Make sense? That's the only resource she has. But do I have more resources than she does? And more experience and more authority. And when you have a lost kid, you got every authority you need. I walked right up to that manager. I said, I need you to get on every speaker on this whole store. My child is lost. And I want her right now. All the emotions come back. And so this booming voice, they call her name out and they say, you know, call her name and say, your dad is waiting right here, he's looking for you. And in my mind, I'm thinking, just the fact that she heard that, can you imagine how that felt? I mean, here's this little girl trying to hold it together, tears, trying not to cry in front of everybody in public and tears in her eyes and she hears that. And now she knows right where to go. And do you think I waited for her to get all the way to me? No, I ran all the way down. I picked her up. I don't think her feet actually touched the floor until she was in the car. But here's the thing, and I think really right now you guys are watching, if I could be so bold as to speak for God on this, God is saying, I love you so much. I do not want you to be in fear. And I have been looking for you, and I just need you to know I'm right here. I need you to come this way. I need you to focus on me. You shouldn't be in fear. Don't live like that. Does that make sense? And I think there's there's probably two groups of people watching right now. There's a bunch of you guys right now that have gotten your world shook. This has never happened. It's unprecedented. And you're in fear. You're, you're getting some things shaken. And you've been looking, if I can get bold in God's perspective, you've been looking for me in your career. You've been looking for me in your bank accounts. You've been looking for the security, me, in your relationships, and now that's getting shaken, and you realize I'm a lot farther away from him than I thought, and the time is right now to get this thing aligned again to where you're focused on me, like Peter on the waves. There's some of you guys at home, I can sense this right now, there's some of you guys that are watching right now, you have really never, actually invited. We talked about partaking of Jesus, the, you know, this lamb on the inside. You've actually really never done that. Or maybe you thought you did and you didn't. And it's time. And it's so easy. Isn't it easy? We do this all the time. It's, in fact, it's so easy, it almost feels like it couldn't have that much power because it's easy. But right there in the middle of your car or living room or your bedroom or wherever you're at, it's time to get that taken care of. So let's do it right now. So just bow your head close your eyes i want you to repeat after me father thank you for loving me thank you for sending your son to die to be my savior rose again thank you for saving me and finding me lost thank you father that right now at this very moment accepting you i get to be a son i get to be a daughter from now on forever in jesus name see how easy that was and now guess what now we just walk this thing out that was awesome for the rest of you there's shaking going on i want to i want to bless you and and have you walk this thing out again i want you to do these things habitually from the doctor side and i want you to do it from the pastoral side but we're going to walk this thing out i'm just going to pray over you right now and i want you to just to reach out your hand i don't care if it's whatever position it's in wherever you're at i want you to just accept this blessing from the lord Father, we just ask that you bless us and keep us, just like your word says, that your face would shine favorable upon us, that all the days of our life that we get to see a father that loves us and favors us because we are focused on you first. We are focused on you foremost, first and last. So God, I just ask God that you bless this every single person within the sound of my voice watching this live watching this recorded, that you meet them wherever they're at because we know that we're all being perfected as we go and that you're faithful to do that, that as you do that, Father, and we get things aligned the way that they should be, that you meet us, but you take us to a level and a way of living that we do not have to be afraid, and that every single person, every single person right now becomes an absolute contagious force that when they walk in the room... The kingdom has come. I'm reminded, Father, that you said your kingdom in Romans 14, 17. says that it's not eating or drinking, but it's right thinking, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And that when these ambassadors of you show up, that we don't get involved in the conversations of fear, but we flex the walls with peace, with you, Father, in solidarity, knowing that you got it. You've got this. So, Father, we love you and praise you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.